Rogers Arena, Kalinka, Knox Games, it is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 8.03 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. As the music suggests, it might be Brendan Bachelor time coming up here on the Halford and Bruff show sure? to kick off hour three. I think so. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Brendan Batchelor joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Batch. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? We're good. Do you know we've gone an entire two hours on this program without mentioning that uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were there last night at the game? Didn't even mention <laughs> it. Just rolled off our back. It was just another thing that happened on a night that was really dominated by Quinn Hughes and nothing else other than Quinn Hughes. Um, it's hard not to look ahead to Wednesday's game because the Hughes versus McCarr thing is, was already written before last night. But um, Hughes certainly made another case for that to be the lead story in that game last night. What a performance by him. What a goal by him as well. Yeah, he has elevated his game to a level that we have not seen from him to this point. Um, and and he's doing tremendous things. You know, 30 points in 19 games is is a ridiculous number for uh, for a defenseman at this point in the season. And to lead the NHL at this point in the season is tremendous. I saw that Sportsnet Stats had the stat last night that he's the first defenseman to be the first NHL player to reach 30 points since Bobby Orr did it in 1974. So he's putting himself in elite company and he's dragging this team along with him, although he's had a lot of help from some of the other key players. And I thought in the game last night in particular, the bottom six was really good and was really important to the Canucks having some success. But make no mistake about it, their top players are what has allowed them to have this success to start the year. And Quinn Hughes is right at the top of that list right now. Batch, with Quinn Hughes and specifically his goal scoring ability, do you think... It is improved because he's worked on a shot, or do you think it's improved because he is putting himself in prime scoring positions by attacking the other team downhill, beating those players, and not just he's not just flinging the puck on net from the point, he's actually skating himself into prime scoring chances? I would say both. Um you know, obviously we've seen him be much more aggressive, you know, attacking downhill off that left wing in particular, like he did last night on the goal. But, you know, he a couple of years ago talked about how he needed to be more aggressive offensively and needed to shoot the puck more. And it didn't manifest itself right away. But I think we're seeing some of the, the fruits of that labor that he's put in to try and improve his offensive game now with a how confident he is making those moves or being more aggressive to get to areas where he can get the puck to the net and either score goals or create rebounds for his teammates. And then the fact that his shot has improved. And, you know, JT Miller was talking about this 
last night after the game. Uh, it was a pretty good clip, actually. I, I don't know if you guys have run it this morning yet or not, but talking about the fact that, um, you know, Hughes doesn't necessarily have a, a traditional shot, and, and Miller was kind of even teasing him about it, but uh, he finds a way to get the puck to the net from different angles uh, at different spots where maybe a goaltender isn't expecting it, and he's added some velocity there, too, I think it's fair to say, and uh, I don't know if we would have seen the Queen Hughes of, of two or three years ago firing a puck off the post and in like he did last night. So this is a guy that, you know, he's relatively quiet and and humble when you speak to him, but he is supremely driven. And we've seen every offseason, he's taken an element of his game and improved it vastly. You know, a couple of years ago, he really took it personally that he had a really bad plus minus when the Canucks really struggled. And last time I checked, he was leading the league in plus minus this season. Um, you know, he hadn't he wanted to get more shots to the net. He wanted to score more. And we're seeing that now where he's equaled his season high goal total in just 19 games this year with eight goals. So, you know, th- this is a guy that I would always back to continue to improve and grow because he's shown year over year that he puts the work in to make changes to make himself a better player. And, you know, that's that's what we're seeing right now, a guy that might very well at this point not just be the best defenseman in the league but the best player in the league through the first 19 or 20 games okay batch i'm going to list four players that they're complimentary players but i thought they played pretty well last night Uh, and you can pick one of them that you agree played well dakota joshua sam lafferty anthony bovillier and mark friedman Dakota Joshua is who I would jump to because I think we've seen the biggest uh, the biggest shift in terms of how much impact he's having from the start of the season until now, where at the beginning of the year, you know, in training camp, his fitness was called into question. He was moved out of the first practice group and was skating with the Abbotsford guys. Uh, he was a healthy scratch at one point. Uh, Talkit has talked about him needing to apply himself more, and we're seeing it now. He's being, uh, you know, a much greater physical presence, which they needed from a guy at his size because they don't have a lot of big wingers of his profile, particularly in their bottom six. Uh, he leads the team in hits. Uh, I think he's done a much better job of getting in on the forecheck and, and helping create and it's allowed him to to have some offense himself in in fits and starts here a little bit too and him and Garland seem to have found a really good chemistry and I thought they were excellent when Pew Suter was on that line and mm-hmm. I thought they were excellent last night with Teddy Bluger too who you would expect you know to to kind of have a little bit of a slow start after missing all that time with the the injury suffered in preseason so um, the Canucks really developing a legit third line is something that they haven't had in recent years and it's something that is going to be important for them down the stretch because even in the past week or so in in this sort of little little valley in the season where they lost a couple of games in a row and had to had to get back to some of the things that were allowing them to have success you see that some of the even strength scoring from the top players dried up a little bit, and that's going to happen at times in the year. So you need guys down the lineup that either can produce offense themselves or can get out there and turn the momentum in a game, tire out another team, hem them in their own zone to set up your top players to have better opportunities for success and and to produce offense. And that's something I talked to Garland yesterday morning before the game and asked him about, you know, the pride that that line takes in creating 
creating momentum and then the team builds momentum from shift to shift. And that's something that we're seeing from those guys right now. And it's nice to see from Joshua after the way he started the season where the coach was really critical of his conditioning and of the way he was playing. I don't know when Pew Suter is going to be back in the lineup, but when he's ready to go, it's going to be a tough decision for who to take out from Rictaga. The bottom six last night was Teddy Bluger uh, between Connor Garland and Dakota Joshua. We just talked about those two players, and Teddy Bluger is just back into the lineup. And then the fourth line is Sam Lafferty between Anthony Beauvillier and Nils Hoaglander. Um, you know, I know Hoaglander took that penalty yesterday. Um, I don't know what Rick Tockett ultimately felt about that penalty, but I think we've seen strides from Nils Hoaglander in the last few games. Um, agree or disagree? Tough decision for Rick Tockett whenever Pew Suter is back. Yeah, I, I agree to a certain extent, although I think it probably will be Niels Hoaglander yeah. that comes out just based on what we've seen from this head coach. And, uh, you know, it's a good problem to have when you've got all your guys playing at a level where, you know, you, you have to pull out a guy that's playing well. But I, I think that'll probably be the case when Suter returns. Hopefully this week. They've been saying he's day-to-day, but he's missed four games now. So, um, And we haven't seen him at a practice or a morning skate with the group yet. Uh, so so it'll be interesting to see how much longer this carries on for Pew Suter. But, um, you know, I, I also, you know, to a certain extent, wonder if there's some supplemental discipline coming for Hoaglander. So Possibly. that could make the decision, uh, you know, a little bit easier for them, I guess, if, if he's going to miss some time with a suspension or something like that. Although I don't think it would be that long of a suspension because they actually did call the match penalty in game last night. And, and usually suspensions uh, for plays like that come when there wasn't an appropriate penalty called in the game. So we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, the, to a certain extent, that feels unfair to Niels Hoaglander because I agree. I agree. I thought he was really good last night. I thought he's been good in the last handful of games. He's, you know, having a presence out there, getting in on the forecheck, getting under the skin of the opponents and creating some offense of his own as well. Um, but, you know, th- this is kind of a conversation about where this team is is turning in terms of its direction and in terms of how far they've come even in the last few months where, you know, last season it was a rotating door of who was coming in and out of the lineup because nobody was playing to the level that you would have liked and now we're talking about everybody's playing to the level that you'd like and you need to make a tough decision to pull somebody out of the lineup because you've got too many guys that are going well uh, I'm sure Rick Tockett as much as you know it's a, it's a tough decision it's a good decision to have to make as opposed to the alternative do you think Anthony Beauvillier might get some more run with JT Miller and Brock Besser it's it's a possibility. I mean, Di Giuseppe, for the most part, has has been stapled on that line. And other than very limited stretches in games where, you know, Tockett has either put the lines in the blender or last night where he was forced to put the mm-hmm. lines in the blender because he was down to 11 forwards in the third period. Di Giuseppe has essentially been there. But... Um, you know, it, it would be interesting to see if they gave Beauvillier a, a chance in the, the top six. I was a little bit surprised in the game that Kuzmenko missed in Calgary that it was Garland that moved up and not Beauvillier because, um, you know, Bill Villiers has a, a bit of a history on that line. Not that Garland doesn't, but, um, you know, in, in the previous game after Kuzmenko went down, they had used Beauvillier up the lineup in, in stretches and, you know, another factor I think we need to talk about here, not just with Beauvillier, but in any situation where they're looking at who to pull out of the lineup is, 
they're not going to pull a guy out of the lineup who they might be looking to trade going forward here. And of course, Bovillier is an expiring contract. He's probably not back with the organization next year, which means he's probably not with the organization beyond the trade deadline this year if they can find a move for him. And um, in terms of upping a player's value, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pull him out of the lineup, but it could make a lot of sense to move him up the lineup into the top six to try and showcase him or give him an opportunity to have some more offensive success. So if the coaching staff decides that they do want to move away from Di Giuseppe on that line or they do want to look at, you know, maybe some other looks. And and the thing about Di Giuseppe is, you know, he's a guy that you can spot anywhere in the lineup and he's going to play the same way, whether he's on the fourth line or the first line. He'll get it on the four check. He'll do the same things that he's done to allow himself to have success. Whereas I think it's probably fair to say there would be more offensive upside if you moved Beauvillier up into a top six role. We're speaking to Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Batch, before we look ahead to the big game on Wednesday night, I do want to take a brief moment to talk about the San Jose Sharks. You've had the the fortune of calling two of their games this year. Uh, Vancouver now leads comfortably on aggregate 13-2 to over the two games. This is <laughs> one of the worst teams I've seen in a while. They are 3-14-1 on the year. They're 0-8-0 on the road, and they've scored five goals in those eight road games. Like, there's a special level of putrid. How bad they, is They came it? out, they had a good first shift, though. They worked hard. I'll give them that. How bad is this Sharks team among the teams that you've called over the last little while? Yeah, it's it's right up there with with one of the the worst in terms of talent level. Although I will say I thought they worked really hard last night, and that was a big difference from the ten one game. Um, but hard work can only get you so far if you don't have the the skill level or the finishing ability up your lineup to make a difference in games. And that's where they are right now. You know, Tomas Hurdle is kind of on an island up the lineup, and even he isn't producing that well because he doesn't have a lot of help. And so that that was the story of the game last night I thought was um, you know the Sharks found a way to hang around and they were in the game and we were even saying on the broadcast you know the the longer that they hold in this game the more something could happen where you get an awkward bounce off a skate it goes in your net suddenly you're down one nothing and you never know what could happen um, and if they hang around in enough games they will inevitably win some of them but um, that to me is has got to be frustrating if you're in that dressing room is you know a game like that last night you work hard I thought they defended really hard as well but if you don't have that ability to produce offense up your lineup then you can only last so long and and that's what we saw from them yesterday so it's going to be a long season for the players in that organization for the people in that organization for the fans in that city and I guess what they have to hope is at the end of the day they win the draft lottery and get to get the reward that they're working hard to try and achieve right now but it's going to be a very long season in Northern California that's for sure so three games in four nights coming up for the Canucks tomorrow Tomorrow night in Colorado, Friday in Seattle, Saturday in San Jose. How do you think they'll do the goaltending? That's a fascinating question because I thought they would go Demko two of the three games uh, out east and they went to Smith twice. So as we look at, you know, an avalanche team that is always going to be a a tough out, even if they haven't been playing quite to the high levels that, that we would have thought to this point in the season. Uh, that's always going to be a tough game. We saw Seattle give the Canucks a tough game. And, you know, the the Sharks on the second half of a back-to-back is going to be more challenging than I think we would have at first thought coming out of the 10-1 game. So my initial thought, just looking at the face of it, would be to say you go 
to to Demko against Colorado, mm-hmm. and maybe you go to him again in Seattle, and then you let DeSmith have the, the San Jose game at the end of the trip, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they manage it differently. I don't know if they'll go DeSmith twice like they did um, a couple of weeks ago, but um, you know, does DeSmith get the Seattle game potentially uh, so that Demko gets a couple of days in between games? That might make a, a bit more sense, and um, you know, it's clear they have confidence in DeSmith, so they're not going to be worried to play him in whichever game they see fit. Batch, this was great, bud. Thanks for doing it. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, and have a good call on Wednesday. Enjoy the game. It should be a good one. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, right here on Sportsnet 650. Um, so yeah, if you look at the Canucks' schedule this year, there's been a handful of like marquee games or matchups that were really tantalizing. I think like early on, I was interested to see how they do against Tampa Bay because well, all a, the Oilers games too. All yeah, but the Oilers games just took on a different narrative yeah. every time mm-hmm. because it went from being like, "Well, here's a Stanley Cup contender" to "Here's a team that you're kicking the crap out of." To, here's one of the surely worst they won't beat them ever. twice in a row. Surely they won't beat them three times in a row. Like the new the Rangers game, I thought was a big one. That, that, that was a, a great game. Um, the still, Dal- still mad about the call. You know what's interesting? The Dallas game I had kind of circled as being a, a good litmus test, and the Canucks were pretty um, clinical in that game. And it was yeah. it, it was it was a good game. It was two nothing win is great, but it, it lacked the sort of back and forth of mm. the heavyweight tilt like they had with the Rangers. The Leafs game it was flat, and the Canucks didn't do very well. This game in Colorado on Wednesday is a real another good litmus test for this team because it's in a tough building to play in and they've got all the remnants, most of them anyway, of that Stanley Cup winning team from a couple of years ago. Here's a question. Where, yeah. When was their last really good game? Whose? Canucks. When was oh, their last really good um, performance? Probably the 6-2 against Edmonton. I don't... Like, they went to Ottawa on 1-5-2. I didn't think that was great. How did they play in Montreal? That was okay. That was okay. I yeah, mean, it yeah. wasn't... Uh, they won 5-2. They won yeah, I mean... But it, I'm just thinking about the last four games. I know the, the Islanders game was entertaining, but... Special teams They affair, cer- right? certainly didn't start, th- start that game very well. Uh, went to Calgary. They were tired. Didn't play well. Uh, home to Seattle. That was maybe their worst effort, considering the situation. And then last night against San Jose, yeah... They found a way to get it done. Yeah. I'm, I'm. By the way, I'm slowly starting to treat the Canucks differently now. I can tell. Yeah. Right. Like, like it's not. It used to be like they're not playing that well lately. Now it's like when they play. That? No, I get what you're doing, and I get what you're. Yeah. yeah. The, the absence, so I'm holding them to a higher standard now. And the ebbs, and I think they're holding themselves well, to a higher standard. You have to appreciate the ebbs and flows of an NHL season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest issue with the Canucks, especially last year, was there were so many extended stretches of bad results. Poor hockey, tire fire in your own end defensive stuff that you kind of forgot what it's like to be a good team in the NHL where you have to manage rocky patches of play or where you don't necessarily have your A game, but you're still able to get a result. Like last year, where you're still expected to get a result. The Canucks ne- rarely had their A game, sometimes had their B game, usually had their C game, and they were losing because of it. Mm-hmm. And when they had a Good performance. There would be times where the Canucks played well last year and they would be undone by one terrible mistake in their own <laughs> end or bad goaltending or something. Now you're looking at it and you're like, well, last night, was it an oil painting? No. But your bottom, it was a bottom six game. Your bottom six won you that game yesterday, right? With all the production. Well, that, Quinn Hughes, I mean that. Yeah, but I mean, look at it. Here's the thing. You've come to expect certain things from Hughes and Miller and 
Pedersen, mm. and two of those three delivered with goals last night. Pedersen yeah. didn't, but yeah, it's not like goaltending one them or anything. I mean, you talk about who were the two guys leading in shots last night? It was Mark Friedman, and Teddy Bluger. <laughs> like Lafferty gets a goal. Bluger was everywhere last well, Lafferty, night. Just Lafferty not only got a goal, but made a great play before that goal. And Dakota Joshua was really good last night. Mm-hmm. Beauvillier had a good night. So you need games like that where you're not going to necessarily get stuff from your. You know the three leading scorers in the NHL, but your your secondary and tertiary. Guys I, come I, I think what you're money. saying is we. It's going to be really interesting to see how they do in Colorado. Yeah, isn't I, that the conclusion from this? Well, I look at it now as like, are oh, they going to match up with the Abs, or are they going to be as excited about this test as I am? Basically, are you going to? Mm-hmm. Are you guys looking at this? You guys being the Vancouver Canucks and saying, "Hey, this is a, a statement game." This is if we want to really truly be considered um, among the contenders in the Western Conference, you have to be able to play with the Colorados of the world. Like, all due respect to Dallas, I still think of Colorado as a better team than Dallas. Yeah. You know, I know that Dallas is elite. I know that Jason Robertson and Miro Heiskanen mm-hmm. and all the Jake Ottinger are elite, but I still feel like because of the championship pedigree, that's a team you have to go through in Colorado. I mean, the game against Dallas might have been one of their best performances of the season, if not the best, just because they played a clinical style. Clinical, yeah. I mean, you go out and you win 2 nothing at home. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I think Dallas came in and they were a bit tired, perhaps. But to take advantage of that and say, hey, we can suffocate this tired team and do this in a very clinical fashion, I think that was a big thing. You know what's fun? Looking forward to games. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was, I mean, I was... Such a novel concept, such a isn't novel it? concept. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was... It's like, hey, I'm... Excited about a hockey game coming up. I was actively. Oh boy, the Canucks play tonight instead of. Oh no, the Canucks play tonight. I was actively engaged with the game on Saturday night against Seattle. Like when they had the late comeback and they were. They had a good chunk of change and like late in the third period totally. where they were just pushing and pushing. I, was like, I find oh, myself yeah. yelling at the TV now. Like I'm yeah. actually angry when they lose. Yeah. Like it's so, really, really cool. So James, uh, James and QB. He texted uh, yesterday. No, this, so, so this is get, so get ready for this, by the way, get ready for all the poll questions. Here's, here's the question from James. I got to ask you guys, if you could trade Kale McCarr for Quinn Hughes today, would you boom? Like get, get ready for it. Sure. Because, because it's coming. Right? Why not? You know, like that. This is this is the this is the heights that Quinn Hughes has started, where he's getting openly compared to Kale McCarr. Because at the beginning of the season, we're all like, "Listen, Quinn Hughes is a great defenseman, right?" Mm-hmm. But is he Kale McCarr? No. But this season, he's been at the level of Kale McCarr, and he's a year younger. Do we? T- do you have to inherit both of their contract situations? Oh, of so course. I'm, okay, then I'm taking Hughes. No, I'm not trading Hughes for McCarr. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's Makar's? So Hughes' cap hit is just under eight million for the next four seasons. Where's Makar? Uh, he's in the middle or at the end of a eight point two five. I believe that's what he's on. No, he's in the nine million. Sorry, he's on the nine million dollar deal now. Six years, fifty four million, nine million dollar cap hit. Mm. So yeah, I'd, I'd take Hughes if it was present time. They're actually very similar contract situations. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who Hughes, I take. Hughes has a lower cap hit, but slightly. It's like fifteen thousand dollars. Hey, something buddy, like buddy, every 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 penny I, counts. I would say pennies around here. I would say McCarr right the second, but uh-uh. if Hughes That's does this, answer. if Hughes no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. McCarr, Hughes, hey, if you know, Hughes does this, won a Stanley Cup. I know Hughes he's had a better this, team. You know, three you years you in a row. Don't do it with the past. You have to look to the future. If, <laughs> right now, if this is not like a one-off season for Hughes, and he consistently gets better and better, and say three years from now yeah, yeah. he's doing this every year. Oh, you expect then, him to keep getting better? Then yes, I will. Take, yeah. Then yes, I will take Hughes. Like if he if he repeats this next year, say even for mm-hmm. example, if this isn't just the is Kale McCarr uh, allowed to get better? 
No, he has oh, to no. say exactly the same. He's <laughs> yeah. yeah. same old age, now. aren't they? Tw- tw- no. He's yeah. 25, and what and is he? He's 24. But yeah, I would, oh, yeah. I would totally, younger. totally take Hughes. If, if this is like the norm now for him, then I would pick Hughes. So, hey, sure. but by the way, guys, like this is why we should be getting his. Uh, I, I can't believe how many people are down on this idea of Canada and the U.S. playing in these games. Like, it's on like, the players to make it count. Some people just want the. Like you got Kale McCarr on one side, count. Quinn Hughes on the other side. Like, isn't that awesome? It is. All Are we the, not looking forward to this? There's going to be too many cool. to, to booing the hell out of Quinn Hughes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. That American. American. Get out of here, you American. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for the hatred of Kachuk to ramp up from Canadians. I Both. feel like it's like been how much sort fun, of how much Both. how engaged is he going to be? Yeah. Do, do, like it was. It was actually funny. Remember we asked JT Miller like, "Have you thought about the Olympics?" He's like, "I have not given it one second of thought." And I'm like, he "I get that. it. I get it." No, but you know what? I kind of I, I kind of believed him just because he's got a lot on his plate with this team. He's he's got a young family too. Like he's got a he's got a lot of things to do. Yeah, I wonder if he's going to be like a Cabo on three, one, two, three. You know when they like? No, he'll make the American team. Yeah, I know. I wonder if. But don't you think? Or he could pass if he's not even thinking about international competition. Maybe he'll just be like ah. Cabo. That's the great quiet part that nobody's saying. Some guys have a weird relationship with their their international organization, like. Has JT Miller ever gone and played in the world? Because uh, that's something he's I'll ever check, done. I'll double check on it. Has he ever been in a position to do it? Uh, well, th- that's the big thing with a lot of these guys is you're talking about the relationship with the national programs. A lot of guys just don't even have one. Yeah. Right? If you've been to the playoffs, not like JT has. So JT played. Well, JT did. He was with, part of the development team program. Yeah. He came up right. you know yeah. what he, with the U.S. national juniors, team. juniors, for sure. Yeah. You know what he was part of what? was the Young Guns team, Team North America. That's right. Yeah. Hockey, but yeah. I think he only played one game for he them. Did. He played for the World Junior team, and mm-hmm. he played for the Young Gun team, but he hasn't played for Team USA other Right. So why is mm-hmm. it not front burner for him? Because it's not a thing. He, he's never participated, right? And I, I don't know. I mean, for me, the competition is going to be about – the Hughes brothers and the Kachuk brothers for the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then uh, whoever Canada's going to figure out to play in net. Those are the big stories. For well, me. McDavid too. No, but that's a given, right? I'd be nervous. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's like the lead story for me. McDavid finally gets The last time he played for internationally was on Team North America, and he was yeah. a baby face. Yeah. I'd, I'd be it's nervous like, for a big Canada because I don't know if they'd win. That would be the... The underlying thing for me is I'd be freaked out the entire tournament because but, I, I think the U.S. might beat them. But 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 in would, some ways, <laughs> in some ways, I know we got to get to break. But in some ways, wouldn't it be better if the Americans beat the Canadians in that tournament to set up the Olympics? Oh, where for it really sure. matters. Where oh, it really absolutely. matters. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You Didn't know? that happen in the World World Cup of Hockey in like ninety ninety six? What Brett Hall's and a loss to the USA. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, not surprisingly, a lot of people in the Dunbar Lumber text line uh, are choosing uh, Hughes over McCarr. I oh, know that's hard to believe. What? I know you're home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 has a. Pro- I like how like a year ago he's like <laughs> McCarr is like McDavid, but a defenseman. <laughs> One guy agrees with me. He's like, let's see Hughes do this for a few years first. Make sure this isn't a one-off season. Yeah, listen, all, <laughs> gotta stay a little negative. You know, you know what's funny is like I knew this was gonna happen. Yeah, I knew these debates were gonna happen, and I'm happy to have them. But oh, like. Awesome. You know, at the end of the day, I am just overjoyed that the Canucks have a player like Quinn Hughes. They have never had a defenseman like this who can control the game like he does. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. He controls the game. When the puck is on his stick, and it's on his stick a lot, he is in charge out there. We haven't played the Miller audio yet, have we? Well, let's play it on the other side. Yeah, Uh, he he explains it really well. Get your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. Eight thirty-six on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. A reminder. If you want to download the podcast, make your life easier and just subscribe to the Halford and Bruff podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Hour 2 of the show, for example, podcast, it's up now. Aaron Portsline joined us on the show from Columbus. Great insight into how big a tire fire the Blue Jackets are. Uh, he said, well, practice was supposed to start in 10 minutes, but now it's been bumped back 40 minutes when he mm-hmm. was on our show. I don't know if this is why or not, but the Blue Jackets have now just put out a media release that on top of everything else that's going wrong for them, one of their prized off-season acquisitions, uh, Vancouver Canuck one-time target Damon Severson with an injury. Yeah, they actually had a, another press release that all their pets' heads are falling off. It's just... We give up. <laughs> Oblique injury. I, had to, I was like, what is that? Because that's what Kenneth Walker's got for the Seahawks. He's out with an oblique. I'm like, what are those? We had to Google it at the break. <laughs> a couple. Oh, it's bleak. Four right. athletes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I stream my bleaks. That's what we call them in the gym. Yeah. With the weights and such. Okay. Uh, it bleaks. is. What? The bleaks. The bleaks. <laughs> what? You never done your bleaks before? My bleaks. Ow, <laughs> my bleaks. Um, Can you imagine the four of us just doing side planks together, just working on our obliques? Uh, We'd all have torn obliques. <laughs> and that's so the, the, Did the, you know what a side plank is, everyone? Those are hard. Uh, that's those four it. guys doing in the corner over there. <laughs> <laughs> They're sure shaking a lot. Their bodies are just yeah. shaking. They call an ambulance. <laughs> there's an, an inordinate amount of sweat for the lack of activity that they're doing. Anyway, okay, uh, it is what we learned time for us. Um, Jason's, you want to start? Because you've got one. You've got audio, and I've got I've no I've got the audio. Okay, so Jason, you go first. Uh, I learned that there are no NHL games tonight. Yeah, what the hell, man? There are fourteen NHL games tomorrow. That's too many. There are no NHL games on Thursday. Again, what the hell, man? And then there are fifteen on Friday. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Why so, is this a thing? Okay, well, if you calm down, no, I've got an explanation via Jeff Merrick. Okay. Jeff Merrick tweeted this out today. No NHL games tonight, and here's why. There are only three teams slash building available, buildings available to host games tonight. Vancouver, Calgary, and Arizona. Canadian teams get sent to the U.S. this week for Thanksgiving Eve, Black Friday, since home games this week are requested by American teams. So, yeah, the Canucks are headed down to Colorado and how could Seattle so and little, San Jose. How could there be so little availability on a random Tuesday night? And I saw somebody comment, why, why can't the Canucks play the Flames? Because I think Canucks and Flames have just pl- played three and four, if I'm not mistaken. Just, yeah. What a bizarre uh, set of circumstances yeah. that there's well, Thursday, 29 unavailable rinks yeah, tonight. And Thursday, the NHL doesn't want to compete with football, right? That's fine. But this one is very bizarre. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we well, gotta, here's the explanation. Every once in a while, this sort of stuff happens. I guess. The, the, the perfect avail- storm. Is there a bunch of concerts going on? Maybe, are there boat shows? Is this like a big boat show? I don't think they do boat shows in the winter. Do they? It can't be boat shows. Why'd you put a boat show? I don't know. Is Truckasaurus in town? Like, yeah, just making be. his way through the U.S.? I don't know what's going on I here. find boat shows and car shows just make me jealous. Like, I yeah. go there, I'm like... Oh, I wish I had that boat. Yeah, that. yeah. Wish I could For buy. Wish I could buy any of these things. <laughs> Do I, you come with the car? Yeah, I kind of uh, hate this oh, place <laughs> and all the people in it. I went to the the car this show. Sponsored uh, by the Great Canadian Boat Show, by the way. Yeah, when we, when we were at ten forty, they gave us free tickets to go to the car. I'd never been to a car show before. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they. Was Alfred this, was like, "Is this is this standard or automatic? Yeah, you, like, do I get to drive I, this around? Like, what's going on here?" Uh, what does that button do? It's a yeah, yeah, please don't touch the buttons. And then it's uh, not a button; it's a wheel. Yeah, <laughs> turns, turns the car. That's not even a car that you're in right now. Um, I yeah, th- I had the exact same feeling that you did though. Mm. I just ended up walking around, being like, "Ah, oh, man, man, I wish I could have that one, I but can't but I can't because I don't have enough money." Yeah, what's a Macan? That thing's amazing. <laughs> I can't afford that. Okay, Mukao him. What? What is? Do you mean a McLaren? No, what's it's the it's the type of what's the Macan? Is oh it boy, a, isn't it a nut? What's a Macan? Did he used to play for the Canucks and then they traded him? <laughs> yeah, the Porsche. The Macan. Oh, I don't see. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew I was right. See, we're not car guys. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. The some, Porsche. Some gearhead listening right now is going, ah! Yeah. <laughs> not to be confused with the Porsche Pecan, which is. <laughs> anyway. Whenever uh, someone in a McLaren drives by, I just like, give some money to charity. <laughs> <laughs> Selfish. Okay. Mukao. Just Mukao it again. Again? Yeah. Um, okay, I we found the JT Miller audio talking about Quinn Hughes' shot, right? This is Batch brought this up during his hit, which will be part of the Hour 3 podcast, which you should also download. Um, talking about, in more detail, because on After Hours this past weekend, uh, Dave Tomlinson, Scott Oak were interviewing Quinn Hughes, and they talked about the evolution of his shot. And Hughes didn't go into great t- detail, but he did say it was the stuff that he was working on two off seasons ago that he seems to have finally either mastered or figured out or whatever with the mechanics of his shot. Uh, we've got, now where is this audio from? I don't even know. It's just Miller talking. Post game. Pardon me? It's from the post game. Okay, so Miller talking about the evolution of Quinn Hughes' shot while also being JT Miller and making fun of him. Is that right? Okay. JT Miller on Quinn Hughes. I don't know about mechanics. I mean, I always make fun of him because I think he shoots really goofy, but he's... <laughs> He, he just he's going into he's making defense defenses break down like by himself because you know I just said he'll he'll beat a guy and somebody else will leave their guy now because there's a breakdown and it just creates chaos and that's what him and Phil are doing up there and like I'm just trying to get out of his way and uh, he's shooting with traffic and he's timing his shots really well like he doesn't have the most powerful shot I think he'll tell you that but when he gets it off he's at weird angles and the goalie's in a weird spot and there's traffic in front and they're going at a high rate for him which is awesome. Weird angles. That's the key to the whole thing. Mm. Weird angles and weird spots. They are like him and Laddie texted yesterday. He was like, I'm going to rip Mackenzie Blackwood for the way he played that. I'm like, oh, that's good instincts. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah. Why praise this very unique player? And you know, I'm always 100% serious when I'm texting. Yes, that's group true chat, as well. Right? Um, speaking of being serious, you did with earnestness deliver while that clip was playing that it was it's your birthday today. I intentionally didn't mention it because I wish you a happy birthday. I thought yesterday. you did mention it. Or was that yesterday? I mentioned it yesterday. Oh. Yeah, because I thought he was going to forget. And today. I did <laughs> right up until that moment. Happy birthday, Laddie. Okay. Thank you. Bruff is very anxious to get into the Dunbar. Did you get to Mukau my birthday? Yes. Yeah. It's a Mukau another year in your life. 
It's a birthday cow. Uh, all right, let's print out some submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line, and there have been some good ones. So uh, what, we, what we learned, Humanoids, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them online at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Jason, go. Uh, this is from Harry from Sussex texting into the show. That's a weird one. What we learned, God save the Quinn. That's not bad. That's not bad. Okay, that's, that's good. A, that's a Royals. The Royals look down on your rap horns, okay? Mm. They're much more distinguished than that. And yeah, they need like a big long trumpet or something. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Harry, Harry, Harry and Megan were at the game yesterday to promote the 2025, I believe, Invictus Games, which is a very good cause. Yeah. It's for uh, injured uh, military servicemen and women, and it's going to be taking place in Vancouver and Whistler. I was, I will say I was sad that they didn't have any of those uh, you know, uh, British guards with the big, long, fuzzy hats with them. Do you understand what has happened to Prince Harry? Like, he doesn't oh, no. get that I don't, stuff oh, anymore. No. <laughs> I don't know. I No, I don't, do you, actually. Do you, I don't follow anything about the Royals. Yeah. I know they're in England. Well, you're lucky you don't have to follow Meghan Markle. What we learned, Matt Canada was finally fired, and Steelers fans like myself celebrate like they won another Super Bowl. Blame Canada. Uh, that's from Lee. Um, that was long overdue. Yeah. Matt Canada slander online has been going on for months, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And it was an inevitability. But how about how about uh, like what but like what's the new OC gonna do? Is like is our quarterback still Kenny Pickett? I'm run like, the ball, oh, apparently. That okay. was the big issue that they had. Is it like stop trying to make Kenny Pickett throwing a thing? Just run the ball. There are, there are so many teams that well, not so many, but like the Steelers are they need a quarterback, like desperately, but they're too good to be able to draft like Caleb Williams. Yeah. Like what what are some of the like the Seahawks are in a similar position, right? Yeah. Like especially long term. Like Gino's not the guy long term. But right now they got a winning record. So how are they going to get these guys? You have to be terrible. Like the Houston Texans. Look at the are, Houston Texans now. Are there any quarterbacks out there that like might switch teams that are half decent? Like is oh, there yeah. any quarterback out there right now that would in theory be an upgrade on Geno Smith? Like getting an upgrade on Kenny cons- Pickett is not hard. Do you consider Kirk Cousins an upgrade on Geno Smith? No. That's a guy that'll probably be available once he comes back from his Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of, there's always a couple of guys that change scenery and you think it might make a difference, but they really just kind of end up being the same guy. Uh, I think Derek Carr is a great example of that. Yeah. Right? It's not like he's lifted the Saints to any great heights. Um, look, the blueprint in the NFL when it comes to quarterbacks is pretty much universal. Either you get terrible mm-hmm. and you pick a guy in the top five picks, or you try and dumb luck your way into a young guy that you think could be a thing, like Sam Howell in Washington right now. Here's what I think is going to happen with the Seahawks. I think Geno Smith will stay with the team, but they will draft a quarterback somewhere. Uh, in like the, They'll try and get another Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Basically, I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, Marcus in Gibson's hashtag WWO, what we learned. I learned that Detroit single-handedly gifted us the NHL's best defensive pairing. First passing on Quinn Hughes and picking Zadina, then shipping Heronic out for a modest price. Um, I think about this regularly. Do you? I yeah. yeah I I know that funny. I know that there's a large section of Red Wings Twitter which is I can't even stomach to look at the top of the NHL scoring leaderboard right now because Quinn Hughes is there and Quinn Hughes should have been their guy. I. I've said this a million times, and I think I actually got slandered one time because people were trying to push back on me. Like, Detroit completely biffed that. 
Everyone's like, no, they didn't. They had Zadina as BPA, and they thought he was a better player. So they took him. I'm like, it doesn't matter. They had a need on the blue line. The kid grew up in Michigan. Mm. Their former head coach, what was his name? The Mike Bab- Dollar Store Babcock. Oh, God. Blashill. Blashill. Jeff Blashill. Yeah. Coach Quinn Hughes at the Worlds. Like, he mm. got a chance to see how good he was going to be. Well, I remember at the time. Maybe it's even his fault. Then. Maybe he's like, he's not very good. Yeah. People couldn't believe they'd pass on him. Even at, even in the moment, I remember in that moment, people were like, they passed on but Hughes. But there was a lot of people what? that said Zadina was the best player available. Maybe Hughes mm. dogged it at the Worlds because he didn't want to go, he wanted to get out of Michigan. For me, the key pick was, was the Coyotes one with Barrett Hayden. Yeah, yeah. yesterday. I, I was, yeah. Is it Barrett? So yeah, at the time, people were like, what? was that that was weird and now it's like what that was because john shake's brain scans of all the prospects so that hayton was the way to go hey this is kind of a related story sure. believe it or not sure gunner from Kelowna. what we learned i learned the oilers are suffering the same canucks woes from the last five years horrible defense so many giveaways and defensive lapses um yeah a lot of them by evan bouchard who in that draft was one of the players that the canucks may have taken yeah if Everyone was enamored with them. the Bush bomb into that draft year. I remember. It was like Bouchard, uh, Noah Dobson. Yep. Right? Who's the leading scorer for the Islanders? So when <laughs> so when so when the Coyotes took Barrett Hayton, I remember being really excited yeah. because I was like, well, even if Detroit takes um Quinn Hughes, then at least there are going to be some defense. Maybe, maybe then it would be Dobson. And Dobson was he the next defenseman off the board? Then he went to the Islanders at number ten. Can't remember exactly. How uh, you know, went. oh, so someone texted this in, and it's a what we learned, um, and it goes back to your Seahawks question about is there a quarterback out there? And then I said Kirk Cousins, and you were like, Bleh. do you want uh, another option that's probably going to be out there this offseason? Sure. Danny Dimes. What would you do if you could get him on a low-rent contract? Daniel Jones? Yes, Daniel Jones, because that's the level of guys that you're talking about that are going to be available. Will you not even consider it? Well, the Seahawks won't. No, I mean, I've I've watched Daniel Jones a couple times. I'm like, there is the potential there, but no. Yeah, but but those are the guys that I'm talking about that are going to be available. Like Daniel Jones to the Seahawks is a thing that's been out there. And they're going to want to remain competitive. They're not going to go from Geno to Daniel Jones. Well, Daniel Jones can make you competitive. But would they maybe bring him in? Sure, let him sit. Yeah. I mean, he's coming off a pretty significant injury, so there's that. And then the the Cardinals have now kind of thrown everything into arrears because everyone was like, well, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Mm -hmm. They're going to go get a quarterback. But now they're like, well, we might like Kyler Murray again. They're all over the map. By the way, it went Quinn Hughes at seven, and then there was a defenseman taken off the board. Adam Boquist that guy. went to Chicago. Then Vitaly Kravtsov, uh, a forward, goes to the Rangers. And then Bouchard to Edmonton. Bouchard is struggling so badly defensively. Yeah, he's bad. Like, he... <laughs> I don't know if it's an effort thing or him really, like, not knowing how to defend or maybe because... I, maybe there's just more of a focus on him now. Because the Oilers are losing, but he does not move his feet. Like he doesn't. Do you remember the game against the Canucks where um, was it Hoaglander scored on a rebound, mm-hmm. and I like Bouchard so. was beside him, just and watching. he's yeah. he was just watching him. He's like, I got the best seats in the house to this goal. Someone should get that guy. I'm like, you oh, should. Crap. You should tie up his stick or something. <laughs> like, just do something. Is that my job? To take him, he was like, "Oh, was that me? My bad, my bad." Said Bouchard. It's funny when you brought up Kravtsov's name a second ago. The forward, it's like, do you? Yeah. He played for the. I totally forgot. He played for the Canucks last year. Yeah, that was. That <laughs> was, was very great. high oh, traffic. Yeah, yeah, that guy. I, that was, was that guy. Yeah, that Bruff's was. Bruff's like, I don't want him on our uh, team. Sixteen Get points in twenty games here. in the K this year. If you're wondering Get how he's here. doing. Uh, Table. Uh, by the way, John, John, the dirt surgeon. <laughs> okay. 
Wow, what is that? Explain. What's that a reference to, John? Right back. Anyway, go. Uh, is he like a farmer? Uh, that's why he's got it right back. Yeah, okay. uh, the Seahawks should sign Nathan Rourke. Well, I honestly wonder what's going to happen with Nathan Rourke. And do you think Nathan Rourke's looking around the league right now? He'd be like, um, hello. Yeah. yeah. Quarterback here. Regrets. I have a few. Yeah. Should have gone somewhere else. In my underwear. Everyone else is Tommy DeVito's playing football. Yeah. So I thought like that, surely I'm better than NBA ref Tim Boyle. <laughs> Tommy, the Tommy DeVito thing is hilarious because he's been the Giants' best quarterback this year. He played pretty well, didn't he? He's got five he touch. Did. He's got more passes. He got touchdowns. sacked like five times in the first five minutes. Yeah, it was like eight total. So there's some issues there. And with after Tommy that, DeVito. he was like, "Forget about it." But <laughs> Tommy DeVito. It's a little stereotypical joke I like to make once yeah. in a while. Sometimes <laughs> it gets me in trouble. Hey. <laughs> No, Italian's Italian's um, fine. We've we've come to this conclusion. So one, not going there today. <laughs> Two, um, I thought Italian discrimination. I thought that um, Nathan Rourke was too raw to be an NFL quarterback this year because he had never played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He was an undrafted NFL quarterback. Then Tommy DeVito, an NFL <laughs> undrafted NFL rookie, came in and started two games. So now I'm like, well. Yeah, this just worked out horribly for Rourke. He could have mm-hmm. easily played NFL snaps this season. Totally. Easily. Totally. Like, the league is awful at quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. And he's the third Well, it's stringer. awful at quarterback and all the injuries. Yeah, there's that, too. Wasn't Tom Brady calling him out just the other day? Saying a lot of mediocrity. In the yeah, NFL. well, we talked about that earlier in the show. Yeah, he was blaming, he was blaming coaching for that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't... I didn't like like I think the quarterbacking position has it's too multifaceted to blame it on one thing. Like I guess coaching's yeah. part of it, but there's a lot of different things to go into it. It's also a you know pretty hard position to play. Well, Tommy DeVito can do it. Can he? Yeah. Can he do it well? Is he the grand? <laughs> he's the grandson of Danny DeVito. It's true. Uh, I just looked it up. Go fact check that. We can end the show with that. I looked it up. We're going out on out on a high, eh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the music's playing. That means we got to go. Uh, enjoy your night of no hockey. But there's other stuff, I'm sure. Go Canada. Book your spot with a, any kind of result that gets you through to the Copa America against Jamaica tonight. There's what you'll watch. We'll talk about it tomorrow. we got to go for now, though. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been Adog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.